Welcome back to Thinking About It. We're in between Christmas and New Year's right now, Dave and I, as we think about our podcast today. And our subject is something personal with me. Got a notice in our mailbox. We don't generally get anything in our mailbox because we have those super boxes. So it's a big day when something actually comes into our mailbox outside. And it was a notice from council, town council or city council. And it said, uh, basically, don't be alarmed, right? There's nothing to be afraid of. It's not what you think. <laughs> so we, we had no idea what this was about. And as we go and read it, it, it just describes how an encampment, a homeless encampment, has been building just on the other side of the pond behind our house. We, it's out of our sight. We had no idea it was there. But it's there. And so I'm reading this thing, and then I go online, and there's a, a little Facebook community that's been discussing this, and there's been some heated debate, and all this is going on, I had no idea. And so I, I turn to my wife, and I say, how do, we, what are, how do we think about this? I mean, it's freezing cold outside, and we know that, you know, we've got our fire on, and the tree is decorated with presents. We're living very comfortably by God's grace. And now we're thinking about people just 100 yards from our home in, in the bitter cold. They've got nothing except some garbage that they've collected from the Canadian Tire bins, which is on the other side of them, and they bring this litter, and, and that's how they live. And it just, I've driven by Victoria Street Encampment, just kind of look at that, and it's an anomaly. I say, wow, look at that. That's really weird. And I just, and then you drive on. Um, but I can't not think about this. Even though I, I can't see it, I know that they're there. And so it forced me, Dave, to think, you know, how, does, how am I supposed to think about these image bearers of God? Yeah who are creating havoc, people are afraid of them. Even Eleanor just said, by the way, is, is the front door locked, right? She's into that anyway, but especially now. And so it's already affecting the way that we think. And I don't want to just default into um, a, an unbelieving worldview here, or a view of people. I'm better taught from scripture that these people are in the image of God. But what do I do about that? It's one thing just to say, I'm going to think properly about them. I'm not going to look at them as a big problem. They're not my enemies. Um, They are people I'm called to love. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what does that even look like? It's interesting. I was um, driving this morning and I was listening to CBC and they had a special reporter on, I think, I don't, I think it was a broadcast out of Toronto. They're doing different broadcasts in different c- cities around Ontario uh, during the Christmas break. But uh, they had a special report from somebody here in Kitchener and a CBC reporter talking about the encampments and, and the struggles that we're having in our city. So, um, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's, a bigger, it's a big issue. And mm-hmm. the fact that this has happened near your home kind of brings it brings mm-hmm. it uh brings it home in a very mm-hmm. very special way it's easy to drive p- past that that encampment up on victoria street and just keep on going but um 
Yeah, it's an issue that I think that we as a church and as Christians have got to think about for a while. Um, yeah, I just, um, I, I, I appreciate the predicament that, that council is in. There are bylaws that are being broken, right? There is that. And there's pressure on them to fix it, obey the law. Now they go to court for a different injunction, which is not necessary. There are laws there. They have the authority to move in there and um, evict them in a very public way, probably controversial. So, but that's where they live. That's their, their, that's their predicament. On the other hand, you've got the people who actually live there. And I think we need to be mindful of both. You know, leadership has a mess on their hands. They're looking for help. And then how do you pray for them? How do you encourage them? They have a job to do, and some would say they're not doing it, right? Because they're afraid of something. Or And then you've got people living in the encampment that I don't even know. They're my neighbors. Uh, do I take a stroll down there and introduce myself? That's what I would do with neighbors. I sent Christmas cards to all my neighbors who have addresses. Mm. They didn't get any. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so what does it mean that they're my neighbors? And I talked with uh, uh, Jeff Hesseling, whom we support, who uh, oversees a ministry to the margins in Cambridge. I asked him, would it be appropriate for a guy like me just to wander in and Say, how you doing, neighbor? And he doesn't get that very often. I don't think it happens very often. But he, he did say, well, you need to be prepped. Um, if you go take uh, peanut butter and jam sandwiches, some of them don't have teeth, and this is a, a good meal for them. But he didn't say don't do it. And It was interesting, too. Again, listening to the radio, this time it was our local radio station, and Mike Farwell, who is a pretty big voice in our community talked about the fact that he had wandered through had gone down and visited uh the encampment uh up in victoria street and talked a little bit about how he interacted with some folks and he found them very welcoming he found them very friendly they wanted to talk of course he has a they would all know him so he is a he's a a, a big figure in our community but he talked about how that seemed to energize him to uh do do maybe do some things on their behalf but it also he talked about the fact that it gave him a better understanding of who these people were some of the needs that they really had and maybe a little bit more informed means to help in the situation but i i I found him i found it interesting that he actually went there and began and engaged in some conversations with these folks Uh, in the blog that I read, it said that Canadian Tire um, has agreed to lead a group of people who will go in and pick up the litter. Uh. We're not talking about their encampments. There, there are the encampments which look like piles of litter, but they're actual shelters. And then there's actual litter all over the place that they gather just because they might need it one day. I, I don't know. So Canadian Tire will go in there and clean it up. Hmm. Um, and then the the city says they're going in to do welfare checks and that kind of thing. So that's happening. And again, I'm not part of that. It could be. And then my neighbor, um, 
just on his own, he goes around the community with one of those extended clippers that you, you can pick up litter with. Sure. And he has a bag and yeah. he has his route. He, he yeah. just picks things up. Yeah. And he got a lot of kudos in the blog. People don't know his name, but it's, it's Terry. And uh, they think that's, that's a really good thing to do. So that's what's happening. And I'm not part of all this. I'm just thinking, what do I do? How do I respond to this? And I'm hoping you'll tell me. <laughs> I have very little in the way of answers for you here, my friend. Um, I think we do what we can. Uh, as you know, and we've talked about this before, I'm, uh, I'm part of Ray of Hope here in town mm -hmm. and on the board. And, um, and so that, that is my world of how I'm trying to help uh, some of these folks out. It's interesting that uh, Ray of Hope... Um, limits their involvement to helping uh, f folk like this to their own spot. Mm -hmm. So they have a place where they feed, they have a place where they store food that people can get uh, food, clothing, and that kind of thing. So they're not going out right. into the community. But they have to get there somehow. Yeah, somehow the folks have to get there. But I find it interesting that, and in talking to their, uh, their executive, chief executive officer, Tanya, she talks about the fact that well, we're limited in what we can do, mm -hmm. and we are limited in the resources. We have a focused location, and so we serve here. Now, they're serving 300 meals a day, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's not an insignificant thing, and obviously that many people are able to get to that spot uh, for a meal, and they're doing it a couple of times a day. So, um, so I, I think in listening to her talk the way that she does, deeply embedded in in this kind of social ministry, social service, mm -hmm. um, she sees her own limitations about yeah. what she can yeah, do. She can't solve the problem, make it go away, but they're there, they're hungry. In the meantime, feed them. Someone else is responsible for right. clearing them out, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so you're an Old Testament scholar. Uh, aren't there passages in the scripture that, that speak to consequences like the way of the sinner is hard right there are certain consequences to decisions that people make and i would imagine there are some people there different kinds of people mentally ill mm -hmm. um, people who are desperately looking for some kind of shelter but they can't find it and there are other people who might be among those who have made poor decisions, uh, they're rebellious, and this is the hard life that they chose. They're the, the prodigal son who is reaping um, his foolishness and his slothfulness. And I, I, I don't think that's the, the tone to take across the board, but I think it's, it's, it's a legitimate thing to say. There are people whose circumstances you'll never change. They're going to be there poor. You will always have with you, whatever that means exactly. Right. Um, so my sympathies are different, right? There are people who they're just there and they're fighting God. They're fighting all kinds of things. And there are other people who I might be more sympathetic with and, and want to help. And it's not for me to really go through and pick out who's who, but right. I, I think that there is a mixture of opinions and insights to this complicated problem. 
Yeah, and again, I've seen Tanya work in that situation, even with the Ray of Hope. There's some folks there that you you sent a genuine sympathy for. Mm-hmm. Um, often a mom with some kids, or men and women, uh, genuine sympathy. There are others that come into the into the ministry there that, um, I mean, they're kind, but they know that in some ways these folks can be actually troublemakers and they have to kind of watch them. They, they still serve them. They still minister to them, Mm -hmm. but there's a little different way of approaching them all with grace, all with the kindness of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, but no, it's not a blanket, Mm -hmm. uh, response and, and a sense of, uh, sympathy to all of them. However, as you said, the overarching feeling that we have is what can we do to help these folks? Mm -hmm. And it's not an easy answer. We're obviously not coming up with the answer here in this conversation. At least help them get through the day. I mean, that's, and that's a thing, right? That's a good thing, but long-term help, right? Um, You and I have a hope that heaven is our, whatever, I mean, the eternal state, the best is yet to be for us. Right. You know, this world has fallen. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are people whose circumstances in life are abysmal all over the world. There are Christians whose living conditions are terrible, but they have the inexplicable joy knowing that they are secure in the hands of Jesus, and this will pass, and there will come a time when they will be with the Lord, which is better. Mm-hmm. And... I, th- I think that's something that we owe people who are in those circumstances. We can't necessarily change them. We can feed them. But to give them hope that this doesn't have to be the end of your life. Um, God has a, for all his children, there is, uh, to use the, the metaphor in Scripture, a mansion that he has prepared for us. There's a home. There's a dwelling that is where he is in the midst of it. And so we can give people that kind of hope. Let's, you know, you think about, um, you know, the, the enslaved folks of, of uh, our countries, both Canada and the U.S., and where did the, the spirituals that emerged mm-hmm. from that mm-hmm. culture and community um, that so often they spoke of a world yet to come, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and swing low, sweet chariot, yeah, something st- like that, yeah. right? Because... That was, a, that was an honest way that they could deal with the reality of the pain that they were living in now mm-hmm. in, in the hope of what was yet to come. And you know what? Even for you and me, Bob, I think sometimes we need to think a little bit more. We often say, you're so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. Sometimes I think we're, you even people like you and me, Sometimes I think we get to maybe too earthly minded and we're not all that mm-hmm. heavenly good. We, mm-hmm. need to, we need to think even... When we live in relative comfort, this world, while we are seeking to do good and bring goodness and God and the gospel into our world, mm-hmm. I've got to be careful with the song, you know, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Um, it is our home in many, many ways, but it speaks and it points to, and we're responsible to point to an ultimate home, yeah. an ultimate new heavens and new earth, a new creation, a new earth in which... Um, 
you know, Eden is going to return uh, kind of on steroids, right? The way you read Rev, uh, Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22. Every tear wiped away. No yeah. more death. So it's, I think sometimes not only do we have to think about folks in, in those kinds of situations that have that hope that keep them going day after day, but the reality is we all need to mm-hmm. be embracing that kind of, here's a fancy word, eschatological worldview, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, you're off to a funeral today, and I suspect that's going to come up, mm-hmm. um, the blessed hope that every yeah. believer has, and uh, it just keeps us going, knowing that God has the end already fashioned, and it's for his glory and our good. Well, Dave, we're out of time. Uh, we hope that this has been a conversation that has at least brought your thinking on a new level when we look at this ongoing problem, and uh, God bless you as you seek on ways to enter into the problem so as to be a minister of God's grace. Thanks for listening to us. We'll see you next time on Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor with Dave Barker. Mm-hmm.